What's going on, everybody? This is McEnroe. This is the Peanuts and Corn Podcast 2020. And um, real quick, this is just a note before starting this podcast that uh, we we recorded this podcast, myself and Odario, and it got really long. So I'm cutting it into two episodes, so you're going to hear episode one. But when we were recording it, we didn't realize how long we'd go, so we don't talk about it, so it can get confusing. So this is episode one of Odario Williams of Mood Rough, and then we'll have episode two in a couple weeks. Thanks. Bye. What's going on, everybody? This is McEnroe, a.k.a. Rod Bailey. This is Pinks and Corn Podcast. This is episode 25, and uh, we're nearing the end of the series for the year, 2020, which has been one interesting year. Um, And when I started this podcast many, many months ago, when I was sitting at home with nothing to do and nowhere to go, um, near the top of the list, the top of the list was me, the top of the list was Pip Skid, and then uh, and DJ Honeycut, my good friends in Farm Fresh, and then probably the next guy on the list was this guy, Odario Williams, who I've uh, known and worked with for many moons, and um, I've been texting him slowly, and I've had uh, my people been texting him, bugging him. And we're looking at you, Ness, as far as uh, working him and getting him on the show. And I'm happy, extremely excited to say that he's finally here. So hello, Dario. Hi. Oh, man. Oh, man. I like that. You, you, your people called my people. And you know what? My people's the same guy. It's the same guy, the go-between guy who uh, he's in your <laughs> ear. He's in my ear. He's in many people's ears. He's uh, pulling many strings. And we give him much respect, Nestor Winrush. Um and we'll get to him but uh thank you for joining me and we're really excited we have a long history together and you have a long history that i find as i've dug into over the last few weeks and months um paying a little more attention it's uh, quite remarkable so we're gonna have to um keep it moving because we could probably do three podcasts in three sections for some of your various projects but here we go so uh what i want to start with obviously is the beginning Oh, and um, and I'd love to hear just a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm going to hit you with a, a really rare track you've probably never heard of us playing live together. But before that, you wanted to be a rapper at some point. So tell me about Winnipeg, Manitoba, and deciding that you wanted to become uh, get into hip hop. You know, and 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 not only listening because you know we've all had the chance to listen, but something made you want to perform. So tell me about that evolution and getting started. Oh boy. Oh, Roddy Rod, the microphone god. Oh man. Well, it's going to get emotional. Is that what we're doing here? Tears are, tears are never bad. Your life. This is your life. <laughs> um, you know, one story, and this is a true story. We may as well just dive in this. I was listening to Brave New Waves. Yes. I was, I don't remember how old I was, late teens. Um, Brave New Waves on CBC. And the host, it was a female voice. I think her name was Patty Smith. Yes, Patty something. Yes. And she said, we don't normally play hip hop on this show, but I'm going to play this song. I just love it. It's by a group out of Long Island, New York, called De La Soul. This song is called Say No Go. Mm -hmm. And she played it. And I remember I was in bed listening on a clock radio under my duvet because my mom told me to turn that shit down. You have school in the morning. (laughs) But bro, what I was listening to, I just knew 
I want to do this. What is this? Like, it, it, what is like? I just I knew rap existed. You know, there was LL Cool J and Fresh Prince, and you know, there was Rakim, and you know, '90s hip hop was you know really starting to develop and come into its own. But what I was listening to that that's when it was poetic like yeah. okay poetry wow flow these samples this is what i want to do and it was the first time i heard de la soul on brave new waves on cbc true story i actually wrote cbc a letter and i said hey whatever you played on tuesday at two in the morning is there any way you can tell me what that was? I can't remember the name of the song, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I ended up writing three letters in the span of about six or seven months. I uh -huh. came home from school one day and my dad's like, there's a package for you on the bed. Like for me? So I go in, in my bedroom, there's a package from CBC and they sent me Three Feet High and Rising and De La Soul is Dead CDs. Wow. Yeah. And that that was the end of it. This is a very strange story. I remember I got so excited. My mom had a, a Johnson and Johnson's baby oil on her her vanity, some vanity or something. The baby oil fell and and smothered my De La Soul is Dead CD. I wish my brother <laughs> was here beside me. So the white cover with the the, the flower, yeah. the, the plant, yeah. it was it turned into like a dark gray because it was covered in baby oil. <laughs> and then I had I had to go to I had to go to Sam the Recommend and buy another one. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, those times, those that was uh, that's when I figured out when music can really touch you like growing up my dad was a dj in winnipeg and he played a lot of funk and soul you know he was into that he loved james brown marvin gay uh but he couldn't stand rap huh. and whenever we would go out to caribbean events you know there'd be the parents and the kids and the kids would always beg my dad to play at least a rap song and he'd be like, eh, I don't really want, eh, he doesn't really want to. So it may, you know, he'll run like it takes two or something like that. You know, he'll run like, you know, he'll, he'll run like two tracks then get back to the, the reggae and the dance hall, the Calypso. So almost as a, a rebellion, I got into rap. You know, it was, I got into rap because my dad couldn't stand it so much. Yeah. And that was it. <laughs> That was it. So how did you meet uh, Eli and how did you decide to, you know, to go from listener to active participant? Like when did you start writing? And I guess, it, you know, that, that sounds like a pretty tight timeline because De La Soul came out in 91 and, yeah. you know, I met you in 93. Yeah. So um, I, so only Winnipeggers are going to understand this story. So I was going to Sergeant Park Junior High and my feeder school was Daniel Mack. But I didn't want to go to Daniel Mack. There's some something there's something in my intuition just wanted to do something different. Yeah. It's just in my DNA. I just want to do something different. I want to, you know, I just don't want to do the same things everyone's doing. So 
Uh, I took two buses and went to Kelvin High instead. A lot of my friends thought I was crazy. Why didn't you just walk to school? I'm like, I, did, I just didn't want to go to Daniel. Right. So first day of school, Calvin, I don't know anybody, not a single soul from this school because everyone at Calvin went to River Heights Junior High. So I'm standing there by myself waiting for school bell to ring. And up walks this ghostly, skinny, white kid <laughs> who also doesn't know anybody because he had just moved there from Calgary. Okay. Yeah. So Spitz comes from a military family that moves every four years. Right. And they had just moved to Winnipeg and stationed in, in Winnipeg from Calgary. So he didn't know a soul. At least I kind of knew some people. He didn't know anybody. So what does he do? He walks up to the only black guy standing there in front of <laughs> Calvin High School. So here we are. What's your name? What's your name? We were best friends ever since. It, it really was just that quick and seamless. Right. We were two peas in a pod from day one. And uh, yeah, that that was it. We both had a love not only for um, not only for hip hop, but for R&B. He loved R&B more than I did. Now that guy was loving his Joe Decees and his Bobby Browns. He, he loved it. Right. Uh, and we also had a love for reggae because he had a, a Jamaican nanny prior. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm from Guyana. I was born in Guyana. And, uh, you know, my mom is very, very well skilled in all the Caribbean dishes. I, I remember when Eli used to come over, he used to drop some some slang and some patois on my mom. She would <laughs> drop the pan. She's like, what? This white boy knows. How do you know these terms? <laughs> Oh, I, I used to have a Jamaican nanny, Mrs. Williams. Oh boy, talking to me on Patois like that. Wow. <laughs> Eli was over all the time. Man. And I was over at his house too, man, all the time. The military house. Yeah. Eli had the military house. It, both parents were in the military. So uh, whenever I crash at Eli's place when we were writing rhymes, uh, the mom, his mom would flick open flip on the, the light at 6 a.m. and we have to be on our feet. That was real deal. <laughs> <laughs> that was a real deal. Yeah, we, we, we were tight. We were tight. Oh, man, that's great. <laughs> that is great. Um, and so I met Eli. Uh, I tell the story where I met Eli at Scandals one night. And I think oh, maybe what? I think maybe Rich Peely uh, introduced us. Or something, because I think I think Rich knew my friend Kent, and oh, um, right. or something like that. And so somehow, it, Eli was introduced to me as like Eli's a rapper, and Rod makes beats. <laughs> and Eli was Eli was there, and he was like, you know, he's got a shirt with him as a rapper drawn on it. Like he's just like, I'm a rapper, I'm a rapper. And I guess he got my number. And then I think you guys called me the next day, and we're like over my place on Corden. And uh, and from there, it was like instant friends with you and with Eli, and started you know working on music, and that would that would be ninety early ninety three, I believe. Like I remember it being winter. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Or maybe it was uh, maybe it was early ninety four. Actually, it might be early ninety four. I wouldn't remember. But okay. All right. Okay. 
Um, <laughs> and then from there, we uh, we started working on music together, and and I would go out and you started playing shows and things like that. And, I, and sometimes I would just be in the background hitting play on the on the beats and things like that. So I want to set up I want to set up this uh, song where. Um, you and I and Eli and Pat and Tyler were all a crew and we'd all met and we'd done like a couple shows together I think at this point but we didn't know what we were called we wanted to have a crew name and so at first I think Tyler was just joking around he said why don't we call our crew Steve because <laughs> it's like what because it's like you know everyone's like we're the Wu-Tang Clan we're the low low crew we're the this we're the that and we're like let's be Steve <laughs> that's very sneaky. And so we did one show with our crew uh, named Steve. And this was at the West End Cultural Center, I think, in the autumn of, of 94. So I want to play this song. Oh, um, no. This is like a this is a really bad dub off the deck of... So Mood Ruff played first. It was like a Papa's, Papa's Farewell show or something for the for the radio show. I think it was called Papa's or whatever. It was on the French station. You remember Louis yes, did it and stuff? Yes. Poopa. Poopa Radio. Yeah. Yes. And so this was like the, their farewell show or some kind of show about that. And I think Kane's got us this gig. Maybe. <laughs> um, but I want to play this and then we'll get more into the Mood Ruff uh, getting started and things like that. So this is uh, Farm Fresh and Mood Rough. The song is called Steve. It's atrocious, but let's check this out. Uh, check, check. Brandon represent Farm Fresh on his shit. Drugs and then fry it, mix it in the pan and tell your mama I did. Just won't deny it. The woman will cry. Why try? If you can't incline your mind, I'll find ya. Combine ya with nothing more but time to realize these guys ain't no joke. Take a breath, but don't choke. You're broke, no cash. You're too fast to pass the thoughts that one master blast is here and after. Grab the ways when I get some. I come through with the funky voodoo. This into you. No matter what the fuck you do, people moving like soul to soul. Second-rate shit, cause my shit's got class. Don't stand around with my finger up my ass. No second-rate shit, cause my shit's got class. Don't grab the microphone to fall down and crash. No second-rate shit, cause my shit's got class. I don't stand around with my finger up my ass. No second-rate shit, cause my shit's got class. So don't grab the mic to fall down and crash. That's no time to waste. It's the first case of the funk that I give you Coming straight to your place I do what my mom did to me, I deliver The rough rhyme, always on time Polish to perfection, uh Then spit shine, I give you an earful Best be 
careful Violate my space and you better be fearful No, it's not hockey, but I'll take your face off Just like a pillow, you'll always taste off So let me continue, next on the menu You got possessed by the bunk that's in you Don't smoke the diva, I leave that to Viva Your name's not Ripley, so I don't believe ya Hell yeah Coming straight for ya no second rate shit, cause my shit's got class. Don't stand around with my finger up my ass. No second rate shit, cause my shit's got class. No second rate shit, cause my shit's got class. Don't stand around with my finger up my ass. No second rate shit, cause my shit's got class. Don't grab the microphone to fall down and crash. I open up this rhyme so you think I own the key. Yeah. I never met a girl who wants to fuck easy. Yeah. Four MCs, now that's something that I believe. Yeah. The moon is rough, lunch is fresh, so it's steam. Yeah. I'm across a microphone, orgasm, reaction. Six o'clock, I'm on the news, and this is live action. A fraction, my movement makes it friction. It's sticking. Monday nights, I'm wishing just to fill my addiction. Boom. Now I have a boner, glad I'm not wearing sweats. <laughs> I got to rest the single. A problem, I bring the people scared. But I got hair, so I came to show my wear. Share my progression, never known to be greedy. Like to help myself because I, I like to help the needy. Stevie, watch me as I leave some memories. The mic can pass to me, and so I pass the peace. Second rate shit, cause my shit's got class. Don't grab the microphone to fall down and crash. No second rate shit, cause my shit's got class. It's like polite clap, a couple of yells. I love that. I imagine it was a, a girlfriend's or something. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I had a girlfriend's time, but uh, 
<laughs> Man, that was great, actually. There's some uh, cla- there's a classic Pipskid line there, which was uh, glad. I ha- now I have a boner. Glad I'm not wearing sweats. Uh, uh, uh. I got Tourette's. <laughs> that was the one and only. That was the one and only time we played that song, but it was a lot of fun. And the crowd was just, that was like probably the first time that we, I know you had done socials and things where, yeah. you know, cause, cause for us, like as our group farm fresh, we, we came up through the punk rock scene where it was like our first, yeah. our first show was with Red Fisher. So yeah. we were used to long sets and, and a different crowd. And so that was probably our first time playing in front of more of a hip hop crowd. And right. they didn't know what the fuck to think about us because we're just, obviously, as you hear that, we're just screaming and yelling and just being obnoxious. And that's what I loved about it. I, I love that there was a fearlessness when we got together uh, and, you know, just got on stage. You know, we weren't afraid to fail. We weren't afraid to fall. We just, that's why I loved hanging out with you guys because, yes, that. Uh, quote unquote socials scene and uh, very structured uh, hip hop scene. Um, it was a little too serious at the time, you know. There, there was a promoter, and the promoter had someone breathing down his neck, and he, you know, he's watching the money box, and you know, he's got three or four groups breathing down his back trying to perform. So he's given us each 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. It, it was just so serious. But then when Farm Fresh came around, we did, it just got nice and, and free and uh, free flowing and, you know, uh, talking about fingers up your ass and stuff meant <laughs> It was it was no thing. It was no thing. I'm like these are my peoples. I found my peoples. Yeah, we felt the same way when when, when uh, <laughs> working with you. It was it was uh, felt this definitely felt the same way as far as it being uh, instant chemistry and a lot of fun and just everyone brought something different. All individuals, but a really fun, positive bunch of guys. And you know, your influences are influences similar. Like uh, I came up with De La Soul was sort of my light bulb hip hop group as well Tip Tribe Called Quest but um, can you talk about Mood Rough and just what was in your head at that time like what was the idea behind Mood Rough was there so you always had a vision I think from the get go and I know it was partly your influences and all that but Mood Rough was not Farm Fresh when you break it down it was like it was you know you had a vision with Eli but I think a lot of it was in your head can you talk about that at all or well yeah you know I I'm going to tap into the memory as much as I can, but yeah, you know, it all started at Kelvin High School. Um, again, Spitz and I were seriously, we were outcasts in that school. First of all, we didn't know anyone else. All those kids uh, came from the River Heights area, you know, River Heights Junior High. They all stuck together as they should. They were all close friends and, you know, knew each other since elementary school but and then and then comes us two right we were so different period that uh we stuck out like like sore thumbs but we also knew that we were very interested in entertainment 
We just didn't know what form of entertainment. We just knew we liked to entertain. Yeah. Uh, we were both um, the class clowns. You know, we we both we'd win all the all the things, the, the lip sync events, uh, lip sync uh, contest, uh, wh- yeah. whatever. I just knew that uh, we had something special that needed to 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 move to some sort of next level. But we didn't know what next level was. We were we were young and. You know, we're just having fun. Um, but we we did find a love for hip hop in a school that was very rock and roll at the time. Yeah. You know, uh, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, all that stuff really ruled uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. They ruled our school. So we were the minority. We were the we were the ones who had to find our own little underground world. And I just remember going over to Spitz's place and we'd work on rhymes on on uh, instrumentals because uh, uh, you know there were CD singles back in those days and or cassette singles, whatever it was they had the instrumental versions on the B side. So we would take those instrumental versions and we'd go to Eli's place and we'd play them in his mom's karaoke machine and we would record our rhymes over it. Right. And just one day, hey, uh, I said, you know what? If we were gonna be a group, what would we name it? I remember I came up with about 25 names and I had uh, Eli choose because I just didn't know what I was gonna choose. He chose, and I said, "Okay, you know what? This is this is our group. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> we don't know what we're doing." But I got to tell you this one story real quick. I, I, someone came to me and said, "Yo, there's this dude that makes beats, and he wants to work with you." I'm like, "All right, cool," because I I need some original beats. I can't do these rapping over people's beat stuff. I can't remember what this dude's name was, but at the same time, Eli said, "Yo, I found a guy who makes beats." His name's Rod. We should work with him. I'm like, all right, well, I got it. I was just told about another guy first, so I got to check with him. So I called this dude. Guy, this is a true story. I called this guy. I'm like, yo, I hear you make beats. He's like, yeah, 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 right, right. You're like the, the mood rough guys, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, what do you got? Uh, hold on. Let me just go through my stuff here. Dude. The guy passed out because he was smoking so much weed that I sat on the phone for half an hour and he never came back. (laughs) True story. He never came back. He passed out. Wow. So then I finally hang up the phone and then I call you next. (laughs) No one knows this story. I don't even know if Eli remembers that story. I called you next and you seemed personable, organized. nice to talk to the guy that passed out he called me like a week after he's like yo sorry bro i was just, I just sorry man i'm like yo bro i can't deal with people like that <laughs> he had pretty cool beats who was it was it anybody who went on to become uh, I, like I, is it I, remy shand or somebody <laughs> he had he had met i just remember he had this big mop mop curly hair if this guy ever listens to this Please show yourself. I just remember he had massive curly hair and he kind of looked like Be Real. Hmm. I don't know what, I can't even remember what his name was. And he, and he had pretty, his beats were really hard though, like really hard, hard. Like 
you know, he, he, you could tell he was in the house of pain and funk dubious and stuff. Uh, but yeah, he passed out. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, well, that's all I need to know. I, I'm not dealing, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And then I, and then I called you second. And the then second it, it was a match made out. in heaven. <laughs> a match made in heaven. It was. It <laughs> match made was. hip hop heaven. It was. It was. I mean, we hung out so much for those couple of years when you know when you called me up and then come over to my place and then it was like we were hung out all the time, you know. Because yeah. the other thing is, my bandmates lived in Brandon, so mm-hmm. I was in Winnipeg. I was going to school, but it was like I didn't have my close friends there. So like the default was probably to hang out with you. Yes. Yes. That's and, right. And you you had the. You had the perfect um, vibe that I was about. I remember I had my little Chevette and I never locked the door in my Chevette. Yeah. I used to drive my, my family crazy, my friends crazy. Why don't you lock your door? I'm like, yo, there's nothing in here to take. <laughs> and and if someone wants to check, check and don't break my window. That was my mentality. Yeah. And your mentality, you never locked your doors either. I remember I used to just swing the door open and just walk in. <laughs> Until I got all my CDs stolen. <laughs> oh, no, seriously? Yeah, out of that apartment, yeah. Uh, the one off Corden? The one off Corden, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. I think it was in 93, 94. I don't know. There was a bunch. Like I had a bunch of things I never got again, you know. I got like an insurance settlement and I did get when I was shopping, but yeah. Pretty much the entire CD collection was gone. Mostly alternative, right? Because I was just, yeah, you know, getting into hip hop. But, oh, but yeah, no. that's the, that was the vibe. Now I'm proving windows wide, windows wide open, doors unlocked. I, I, and- yeah, well, that's what we first <laughs> had. I remember. I just, I was always swinging the door open and just chilling out on the couch for hours. Yeah. So we started uh, working on music probably right away, and and we were learning as we go. Like I think I had, um, I had like a little sampler, and I had a little eight track and or four track, and then you know started to get some better stuff. And finally, we made a record as Farm Fresh, and then we started working on. You know, we decided we had a label called Peanuts and Corn, and it was like Farm Fresh and Mood Rough. And we started working on um, our first record as the first Mood Rough record, which was called Maxim. What do you remember about writing that? I remember recording it at, at the Lady Adele at my uh, apartment in the winter of 95, like early, early 95. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, you know, when you're young like that, you know, this is, there's no care in the world. There's no care in the world. And Winnipeg is such a special place, but it's also a strange bubble. And, you know, I got to point out this thing about Winnipeg. Uh, we, we had to fend for ourselves as entertainers, artists, writers in the hip hop community. Um, it ain't easy being a pioneer, a trailblazer. Just it ain't easy because yeah. we didn't have mentors. No, we didn't have leaders. We had no one to show us anything. And when that's the case, you have to learn as fast and efficiently as you can. And when I think about Maxim, all that is to me is a bunch of young guys trying to learn. Yeah trying to figure it out you were literally learning how to sample in front 
of us while we were literally learning how to rap. Like, yeah. that's what makes it so special. Um, and that's, you know, in Winnipeg, it, it, it was a, a special place. We had to learn not only how to be uh, the artists that uh, we became, but also learn the aspects of the business. Uh, Winnipeg had an interesting bubble mentality where, you know, we just didn't really see past Cordon Avenue in those days. And yeah, it, yeah. There was yeah, there was no support system, and and you know it was a few years before we started to even think about some of the, you know, arts funding and things. We were just trying to grind it out and do it yeah. all completely ourselves, renting the equipment. Again, no one to teach us anything. No one like if you'd ever been in a studio at that point, you would go into a rock studio with a rock dude who had no idea about hip hop, didn't give a shit about hip hop, and right. it was not a good experience. And that's so right. that's why we did it all our own because why why pay why pay more yeah. for a guy who doesn't care even though you're yeah sure there's a 24 track and you're on tape but it doesn't matter if it's if yeah. it's no fun. But uh, there was there was an excitement about it too. Is you know it was, it was so fun because uh, we were learning. It was so so yeah. much it to was, learn. It was great. It was so hours fun. and hours and hours. Um, so let's listen to a song from Maxim. Um, this one is uh, is called Can't Be Beat. And I know we, this was probably one of the earlier ones we did because I seem to recall this being like a live staple as well. It really was something we played before and after, or you played before and after. I say we because it was like, it was so, such a kind of a weird time where it was, there was, you know, I was sort of a member of the group in a way because I would play with you and I'd be standing there on stage and, and all that and then we got more distinct as the years went on but uh let's listen to this one this is called can't be beat from um from maxim from 95. i know i'm dirty and everything but i, I just want to talk to you just a minute i just ooh, i just want a little bit of your time hey hey Who's the man? Who's the man? I gotta be out, but why? Because it gets some air pops and my lyrics all fly. Slap that together, get a microphone in a with a little bit of shit and make the suckers feel better. Better, better than the mad hatter. Me looking amazing, but I'm still getting fatter. Doesn't matter, cause it comes a designated batter. You couldn't reach my level if you had a fucking ladder. Cut the chatter if it's weak shit. Bullshit, you're weak with. I wanna hear from real MC. Grab the microphone and freak shit like my man he leaves his impressions in the rock like a fossil Now it's on, bring it on, I'm the king and you're the pawn You made the room and overtook your queen and now I'm gone We got the funk kid, who's got the funk? We got yeah. the funk kid, yeah On your mark, I get set 
go Gunshot, but tight grip while I'm out of the blocks I come clean like the damager, called you an amateur Don't have a clue, that's why you want me as your manager Yes, the rap race never last place Bobbing your head to the base I'm gonna take it to your face, uh Yeah, I'm proper breaking off feet Running my heat, sleep physique Kid, I can't be beat Another day in the relay Come around the corner as I notice you're a gonna Stride with the glide, everything is alright Smooth like quicksand, I'm in sync Kid, I'm out of sight It's the strength on the track, that's the funk The mic's the baton, so I quickly pass it on To the S, to the P, to the I, T, Z Have you heard what I said? If not, ask the dread Get up, stand up, I write your fucking rhyme Collect your metal, catch your breath When you cross the finish line to breathe Time to breathe, give me time to breathe now. Time to breathe, give me time to breathe now. Time to breathe, give me time to breathe now. Time to breathe. My mind's intact, I slap the mood in the act. Got stacks and stacks of raps ready to put on track. In fact, the funky poetry is just a part of me. Inherit the characteristics to keep on showing thee the beast in me. I feast on thee, rise of yeast. Ain't the man that I used to be. Ease. It pleases me to see the funky needs of the people The what? The people The friends dwelling in the real of my hip hop Got boys rapping joy, sad songs, a map rock It's a funk in their soul Strut in the stroll as they step it Step, 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 Moot rust, the name, the full step Combined, yep, the tongue's quicker than the eye Hey, watch me fly The tongue's quicker than the eye Hey, watch me fly Bye, baby, bye-bye Oh man! I think uh, you might have brought that record, or is that a Mandrill record? I'm not sure, but uh, it's a well, funky. I definitely brought the Ike Turner. Uh, is, that the, that, is that the funky part? Yeah, the, the baby, I'm dirty. Or oh whatever. yes, yes, you 100 brought that. Yeah. Yeah, I brought the Ike Turner in. Um, did you? Am I remembering remembering this correctly? Were you doing the sequencing live? Yes. While we were rapping, right? No, no, not while you were rapping. I would lay it down onto right. ADAT, but it was more or less live. Like, I couldn't, like, there's no sequencer with my sampler. So everything you heard there was played. Yes. Just played in real time with me pressing buttons. So, yeah. And you were good with those buttons. <laughs> like, you, you, you're, I remember your eyes would glaze over this, this sort of weird way. When it, whenever it glazed over, it's like, don't interrupt Roddy because he's got to hit the buttons on time. Yeah, it, it was you true. Had, you would, you, you would, you I would you sit play. on a milk crate, and I would have the, I had have the sampler at like just to, just below eye level, so you like you have your hands up yeah. as claws because there's eight buttons, so yeah. all eight digits, and you're sitting there just trying to sequence it, and if you fuck it up, you start over. Exactly. <laughs> I remember. I remember. Do not interrupt him yeah. when he's sequencing. Yeah, we it need was, to it get was like that. Four minutes. It was like that for the first few <laughs> tapes, and then I started to do it a different way, where where it had a little more room to breathe but those first tapes were like live sequencing and it was really hard yeah. and so you could only do so much like every beat on for example on that on that 
on that on song you know the drums start on the snare so the only way to bring the beat back is on the snare there's no way to bring it back on the kick because yeah. it's hard-coded that that's where the loop starts right so every yeah. time the drums drop out it's because it always comes back on the snare like that kind of thing right so yeah yeah i, I remember I remember, <laughs> I remember, man. You, yeah, you played that machine like it was an instrument, and that's yeah. when it was so fascinating. Yeah, just yeah, the it way a, you... it was a game changer for for yeah. getting that sampler. It was like you know because before that I had this other sampler, and we were trying to like work out beats, and it was pretty clunky. Like we did a show, I think, with a four track with this terrible sounding sampler, and it was like. I don't know what we played like it was you and me and eli with me just working the four track and it sounded like shit. i don't know what kind of a show it was but once we got that sampler it was a game changer but i wanted to ask you i remember i want to play another song from maxim real quick but do you remember us going to get this um mastered and by mastered i mean we had to i called people in the yellow pages to get a cd burnt because at this point no oh, one has I a computer so the Mennonites. Would, the Mennonites. So you would so you'd mix <laughs> so you would mix the you would I mixed it all at home. We went to Long McQuaid, we rented all the stuff on uh, an ADAT, an eight track, mix it down to two track, probably Sunil's DAT machine. And then I take the DAT and it's like we call around who can make a CD and these guys, the Mennonite Brethren College, which is in, you know, East Kildonan or something, was like yeah, well, we could do that for you. So we take the dad in, you and I, and we go, yeah. and in real time, they play the dad on this massive system, this huge stereo, huge studio, you know, like they record choirs and, and stuff in there, and yeah. they're doing the real-time transfer, and when they get to the song about the girl, the parties, like, you know, it's a little goofy. You have a yeah. song called Day in the Life, I think, and yeah. the guy's, like, pretty much, like... Did he finish? Did he finish the job? Even though he was morally, he was morally offended by the, yes. by the material. But I think he still did it, didn't he? Or did we have to go no, somewhere else? No, I don't think so. He I booted us out. Go, I think we had to find yet another place right. because he kicked us out. He kicked us out. <laughs> because he we offended him. And if we you've ever heard, like if you've ever heard, I mean, your music anyway from the get go has never been particularly offensive. <laughs> And it's like the Mood Rough Maxim tape, on the scale of, you know, 1 to 10, 10 being like, I don't know what, like too short or <laughs> it's like a 3 maybe, a 2. Yeah. There's hardly any even bad words in it. Like it's, and he was morally offended. It's just, that was early rap. That was what we were up against. That's right. And I remember you and I, we looked at each other and you know what? We were offended. Yeah, we were. We were like, you. this is so unprofessional. This is you know bullshit oh yeah <laughs> all right i want to play um another just a snippet because for some reason our our modus operandi you and me and everybody was like we're gonna make a tape and there's gonna be four songs but we have to do an intro we have to do an outro so you know, on a four song EP like the Space EP, there's an intro and, a, and an outro. And on a five or six song EP like uh, Maxim, there's an intro, which is really good with uh, Femi, I believe. And yes. then there's an outro. And this outro is called Pig City Holler. And the reason I want to play it real quick, I want to just kind of think about how even at that time you just had such a sense of community and this uh, your love for the city and your love for who's in the city and community because i think it's such a theme for your whole career so i kind of wanted to play this and point that out real quick this is just an outro so it's just a minute so let's listen to it I also love this beat it says peg city holler match we're rough to this match shout out some refs to CK 
But I kind of just thought, you know, I mean, even that was 1995, you had this vision for Peg City Hala, not necessarily that it's a festival or whatever, but you just had this sense of community. And this is this is the two outcast boys from from Calvin. Yeah. And yet, you know, shouting everybody out. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things that run through my mind when I listen to that uh, track and that beat. First of all, Rod when you brought that up to us when you presented it to us to do the outro i'm like yo this is a hot beat i want to rap on it <laughs> and you're like you said no you can't we need an outro and I, we, this is the outro i'm Shit. like Ugh. but I now you're gonna you're bringing the beat now when we're wrapping up the project no, i think i saw oh, it with I you remember, i that. loved that beat i loved that beat i fucked that up yeah <laughs> and uh second I remember I coined the term Peg City because now at the time Winnipeg was very rock and roll and that's not a bad thing. It was very, very rock and roll. And the rock and roll kids called it the Peg. Yeah. But I hated that. I hated the Peg. I couldn't, I just didn't like the way it sounded. And I wanted to give it like a hip hop flavor. Give it a, you know, a, you know, just give it some, 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 some spark. So. I changed it to Peg City and to solidify it, I said, I got to put this on tape just so it's going to be solidified, just so it's like at least uh, it can somewhat last forever. Yeah. So that was the first time the term Peg City was used and, and I used it. And I just wanted to make sure we just included everybody that was supporting us so quickly. It was all happening so fast. Yeah. You know, one second Winnipeg didn't have much of a hip hop community, and then the next second it did. And and uh, Eli more so than me would would it was very important to him also to just include everybody. He was very good at that. Uh, he you know we just we just knew we had something special, and I I just was just so full of love and joy about having the access and the ability and not only uh, the 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 mindset but like uh, you know the support people were coming out to our shows right yeah like were. we were packing packing those places 
you know, it just was uh, such a special time and we just felt so thankful and grateful. So that was a thank you to everybody. And um, yeah, it really did set the path for uh, what was to come, no doubt. I didn't know there was going to be a festival after calling that song Pixie de Holla. Yeah. But I just remember I loved the name. I loved the title. Yeah. And I'm so proud of myself coming up with that term, Peg City. Um, so Maxim comes out and, you know, we're hand dubbing all these tapes over and over and over again and selling them pretty quickly. You know, we had the, uh, we had the infamous Sam, the record man charts where the idea yeah. was, you know, you drop your tape and then you, and they had a local, they had a local tape chart in a wall, a little wall where here yeah. are the local hear the local releases and you know every time peanuts and corn dropped something it would go to number one on the local releases which was super important to us that was our basically our billboard chart yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah. maxim comes out and um and you know you guys had a really good following not only through you know friends and just people who you've you'd known from calvin and just around the city but just also legitimate playing shows and getting fans like the old-fashioned way so, um, and I remember Eli selling them like crazy at Perkins as well to yeah. anybody and everybody who had five bucks in their pocket. So that helped. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Slinging tapes. So, you know, we got that from the idea of, you know, slinging people, slinging records out of their trunk down in Texas. You know, that's what they did in their, their trunks, but you know, uh, Spitz had an apron. He didn't, you know, he didn't need a trunk. He had an apron. Yeah. <laughs> He's slinging tapes out of the apron. And I, I'm assuming, I, I can't remember the timeline so much, but I was working at Sam the Record Man by then. Uh, I don't. Tyler? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Okay. When, uh, I believe when Maxim came out, um, I was working at Sam the Record Man. You worked at Sam the Record Man? Y yes. Yes. I don't remember this. And then what happened was, um, what happened was I quit so we could go, I could go with you to Toronto to play some shows. And because my plan was to go to Toronto and then come back and go work at the swimming pool store where I could make more money. But, and so when I left, Tyler called them up and got my job. And so he took over for me. When wow, I was, so we would so the first time well we went to Toronto as farm for, as farm fresh in when the space EP came out but then you and I and Eli went as mood rough for like Canadian Music Week or something North by Northeast maybe and um, uh, we went and played like do you remember playing a show in Toronto where we we brought all the gear from Winnipeg and we go and play and I think we're playing with like Concrete Mob and we're playing some hip hop showcase. And I show up and I set up the, my dat and my equipment. And then everybody else is like, okay, we're using your stuff. <laughs> Do you remember this? Uh, no, no, but that sounds very Toronto. That's so, very like Toronto. They're all like, they're all like, I think it was uh, Scam was the name of the DJ from Concrete Mob. I think it yeah, was Scam. Yeah, that's right. That's and he's right, like, yeah. well, we're using your gear. And I'm like, uh, you're not <laughs> using my gear. I'm leaving. I'm not sticking around. And he's like, no, no, we're using your shit. So then I had to stay <laughs> and wait. I think you guys were going to go somewhere and I had to stay so that they could all use my gear in, the, in Toronto. I was like, this is crazy. I'm from Winnipeg. I shouldn't even be here. Like... <laughs> oh that makes so much sense you don't remember the venue do you 
Uh, I, you know, I just don't. All those venues blur together. I remember yeah, it was on the north side of Queen Street, I think, but but that's all I really remember. Um, amazing, amazing, um, yeah, amazing. <laughs> so yeah, so things were happening. I mean, you know, for us to be playing showcases in Toronto and you know getting some notice, and there was we were talking a little bit to labels. You guys were, we were. Nothing really yeah. made much sense, but there was some interest, you know. Bro, we were sleeping at Bonnie Fredro's house mm-hmm. on her floor. Yep. I, I've slept at that house a couple of times. Bonnie Fredro from uh, EMI Records. Yep. First uh, Warner, then EMI, then. Yeah, the, yeah. Warner. Steve Jordan was at Warner at that time, I think. I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pol- Polaris Prize. Steve Jordan. He he almost signed Mood Rough a couple times. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Um, I don't remember what happened. I think they ended up with uh, Buck Sixty Five. If I remember, I can't remember the oh, timeline. That's right. They did. They did sign uh, Buck Sixty Five. But yeah, and I do remember Bonnie Fedro from emi loved both our groups she loved farm fresh yeah she loved mood rough whenever i was in if you think about it you know like we're, she's she loved us so much we were crashing at her place oh, i think yeah. it was north bathurst somewhere way north on bathurst i yeah. remember waking up in the morning literally not knowing where i am i'm like <laughs> was i drugged last night where am i and, and stepping out of her place because she already left to go to the office and trying to figure out which way is north and which way is south. <laughs> I'm so lost. <laughs> yeah, it was such an adventure being, because yeah. I think for some reason I remember us being in Toronto for a while, like a week or something, not just a day or two. We were there for like a week hanging out, you know, record yes. shopping and playing different shows and just hanging out in general and... Yeah. I remember staying at Bonnie's place. I don't remember. I remember you staying there off and on, but you had somewhere else to stay as well, I think. That's right. Well, your memory's pretty good. So my girlfriend at the time, Charissa. Charissa. Yes, she I remember her well. And she got uh, a modeling gig with Ford Agency and upped and left and moved to Toronto. Right. So I had this weird long-distance relationship with... Uh, with this Ford model that would like call me randomly and say she's hanging out with Lenny Kravitz and she's hanging out and I'm like uh are you safe like (laughs) I I just I'm sitting in Winnipeg and she's just like yeah yeah it's cool hey you want to talk to Lenny I'm like not really but uh and, and you know, and she'll send me a Polaroid of her and Lenny Kravitz, and she's like twice his height. It's just, I'm like, all right, I don't feel too concerned about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so y- yes, that's right. You know, I, I, she was actually my motivation to go to Toronto more often because I just needed to see my girlfriend. So I'm like, yo, yeah. if I can book another show, I, I'm let's go back to Toronto and. That was the main reason why I was going there so much. Right. And yeah, I would stay with her and, you know, we'd all stay in different places. Um, ultimately, like all that, you know, you've been back and forth for years and uh, and built relationships starting like in that year, like 95, that probably some of them still exist. Um, I want to get into the next record, which is was called Fluid. And 
And uh, for this one, I want to play the intro, which is a little more of a song than just a just our typical intro where you're starting to um, do some spoken word and get really interesting. And I remember this one because I always love this beat and I love what you did with the beat. And then I remember us talking about doing a spoken word project. We were supposed to do something at this time that never happened, which to me is like, man, that would have been really cool. You know, I don't know why it didn't work out. Probably just because of me in school. But let's check this out. This is another quickie. This is called Renaissance from Fluid in 96. Renaissance. Renaissance. It's fluid. Renaissance. Renaissance. day to come. Tomorrow I will be dead and decayed, useless with words left behind for generations to dissect, break down and examine with magnifying minds. Hear me now and let me tell you, cry and fight for the child gone wild. Hear me now as I crave to satisfy my soul today. Tomorrow I will wake from my deep sleep called life and run and tell spirits of my amazing dream. Pig City. about to explode. Tab's crew is about to explode. Pig City is about to explode. I just thought it was interesting because, again, I love that beat, but, um, you're you definitely are not just a rapper's rapper um you know you've got a more expressive you know you are a renaissance you're more of a renaissance man i guess and even mm-hmm. then at this time this is like we're all young and we're all hyper competitive and the hip-hop scene is you know popping off in 95 96 there's so much going on and people's people are trying to rushing to get on much music and rushing to do this and that and yet you know, you had a pretty solid idea of who you were, I think. Yeah, I was uh, I was definitely soul searching at that time. You know, I, listening to that, I could just remember that young man doing a lot of soul searching. I remember I had a lot of bubbles, a lot of different communities and circles that I would uh, visit. And, and uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to be more of a listener than a a yapper, you know, I'm definitely a guy that would sit down and listen more than anything else. And I, I appreciated all my little bubbles, you know, the, the farm fresh bubble. We listened to jazz records repeatedly, endlessly to no end. Uh, whenever I hung out with Tyler, you know, you know, I, I'd throw at him something. Yo, yo. How about this Coltrane record? He'll be like, cool, cool. But have you heard Yusuf Latif? I'm like, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it just, it, it, it was, it was great to, um, uh, it was just great time to be alive. I was taking creative writing at the time and 
uh, a lot of the students in that creative writing class were working on novels, uh, working on plays. Everyone had to bring the thing they were working on to class and present it. Um, and I brought rhymes to class. Yeah. You know, I, I uh, but because I was sitting with these, 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 uh, these intellects, you know, because I was sitting with, with these folks, I, I just, it was important for me to not just present some nonsense. Right. You know, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm hanging with people who are working on their first novel and, and you know, you know, hopefully get a, a play in production one day. And at the time, hip hop was so primitive in Winnipeg that people didn't take it seriously. You know, for the most part, you yeah. know, Winnipeg didn't take it seriously. When we got a little write up in, in, in a paper, it was huge because, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? It, it's we what we were doing was kind of silly to a lot of people. So that really annoyed me, um, but it also motivated me. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in creative writing class at the UW and then I, you know, go out and hang out with skate homies and then I'd, I'd be with the caribbean community on the weekends uh and and all of these communities didn't take not not just not take hip-hop seriously but winnipeg hip-hop yeah you gotta be kidding me is that what you're doing so i took it on i took it on as a challenge I'm like yeah this is what i'm doing it's my culture it's my life right and I had a lot in front of me that was really just sort of uh, 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 looking at what I was doing in a... They're like, okay, when are you going to wrap that up and grow up? And then that, that shit used to just burn me up, man. Oh, I, oh man. Burn me up. But what, I mean, for you at that age, what, what does wrap it up and grow up mean? What do they want you to be? Who, who, are, who are you supposed to be? Who, do you, who does your dad want you to be? I, I had no idea. Yeah, <laughs> I had no. I, I had no. Well, I mean, thank you know my parents, my my actual like my parents, they were quite supportive. Um, I remember early in the days, though, you know, it was tough. It, it was tough. I remember when I was still living at home because I moved out. I think I moved, I moved out, I think it's probably about 22-ish, but anyway, so prior to that, when I was living at home, I was known as Dazzle the Daydream Fiend. Right, I forgot to, to mention that. Yeah, so I remember, I believe it was Stylus Magazine, maybe it was Uptown, called the house and asked for Dazzle the Daydream Fiend. <laughs> and my dad was like, who? You got the wrong number and hung up the phone. <laughs> So I remember right barreling down the stairs. I'm like, no, that's me. Don't hang up. That's me. That's, oh. And this is pre-caller like ID, pre. So some, <laughs> some prank caller, some idiot called here asking for Dazzle, <laughs> the daydream fiend. Who's named that? I'm like, dad, oh, that was me. So that, I, <laughs> you know, so that, for, so that, that's how, uh, you know, that's how, I started at least using my real names because I remember having a chat with my mom. She's like, why are you trying to come up with na a name? 
I just remember sitting with my brother. I'm like, I gotta come up with a good name because Dazzle's just not sticking for me. Yeah. You know. And when did you phase Dazzle out? I don't even think Dazzle made it onto Maxim, did it? I think it was definitely it? on Maxim, but maybe oh. not Fluid. Maybe not. Right. Definitely Maxim. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was. There was a lot of battle with myself back then. Lots of battle. A lot of battle. I, I consider <laughs> myself a late bloomer. Um, okay, I want to play one more from Fluid, and because um, that's this sort of ties into you and your bubbles, and your community, um, your sense of community, and I can speak to this firsthand as. Um, but this song is called Avenue, and I think it's kind of dedicated to Corn Avenue, kind of, just yeah. as far as like an epicenter of like a lot of scenes and cool people and where, you know, where people went and where they hung out and, and all that. Um, but real quick, I mean, this this song to me represent really reminds me of, of our time, you and I spending a lot of time together. And I will say just as a little side story, like hanging around with you and how many people you knew for me was like, it, it was dangerous and it almost, I was dating a, a girl named Marcy and then I was hanging out with you. And for some reason I thought that I should break up with Marcy. And so I did. And uh, and then I don't think I was hanging around with you that summer. And so basically I realized that I had made a huge mistake because <laughs> I wasn't nearly the like ladies man that you are or the play. You know what I mean? Like I'm just not I was not in your level. So I had a pretty quiet summer and then I saw her again in um, at school the following fall and, and quickly righted the mistake. But that could have been bad because that that girl Marcy is my wife and we've been together for 24 years um, and so I, I, I blame you a little bit for even though you had nothing to do with it directly but hanging out with you made it seem like I knew everybody and I had all these friends and then when I'm not hanging with you it's like oh wait maybe I don't have all these friends and I'm not I'm not you I'm not the social butterfly so I want to play this song because this kind of reminds me of that time which I remember very fondly uh, you know hanging out on court and and with you and you knowing everybody and me thinking I knew everybody uh, so this is Avenue from um, from Fluid from 96 Strolling in my boomers down the avenue 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 Let's go down to the F. Get your kicks, lace them up, look around with a hair. None but them good times all summer long. Chillin' with my boys in the block where I belong. I'm waiting for the sun to fall under the planet and the underground rise. Some can't understand it, but I recommend you locate a block party. Boys around my way, you're crazy, yes, ass naughty. I need a couple hotties, cause there's plenty to choose from. Roll real slow down to have and just cruise, son. It's like that, got my Mac down pat. I'm leaning out the window like a dog looking for catty. Yo, dives, I'll peep that park, the car, let's go back. I seen a couple honeys hanging at the lawn tonight. 
that just begging for attention Not to mention my intention But I won't tell you that I'll just leave the answers in twin Well it's my turn to return to the melody Put spits and draws deep in your memory As I commence to bring your attention Let me mention Next school pioneers Prevention of the whackness I got this Tape called Maxim Maxim up with the fluid Thought you knew it Taps crew That's how we do it Style thick Watch me come real quick with the drama Gonna drop a bomb on your ass No my checking, I've been wrecking for the past Three and a half Come at your full blast with my freestyle rap That get you high like cash Make you green like cash Envious of this Unless use a nightlife type like me Unrested, full-blown taste city MC As we be laying aces in places Give you remedy, love the flow when you taste this Nourish your hunger with the peanuts and corn, aka PNC, making mad hits since the space EP. This goes out to all the nightlife types, dedicating to the art, keeping their part tight. One love to all the heads in the crews, cooling at the shows on the avenue. This goes out to all the nightlife types, dedicating to the art, keeping their part tight. One love to all the heads in the crews, cooling at the shows on the Ave. On the Ave. Like main source, I like to hang out with my friends and dwell down the air with some cash to spend. Steady freestyle and beatbox while we're hitting each and every step so we get a drink or something. Them stiffs front cause they think we gonna jump up. I don't care, I just keep my rhymes pumping. Applaud to my peeps cooling in their cars, gliding on the blaze, and skating on the boards with the Pumas, Feelers, and Airwats. Nike flights and Adidas and flocks of much. Such a nation moves under a groove of neon lights and concepts of city life. Then I take it to the underground. You look around and ask me one question Can I get down? Get down, boy, and feel this. Peace, love, and soul to your life, Don Cornelius. Reel this in as if you're fishing for the vibe that gets you alive. I know you feel it. something in my script, you must have missed it. All suckers perish, tax dollars getting lifted. Mentally, I drifted to a state that's got a tonic, visible rooftop. You know my man, Diego, on it. So resurrect your styles, man, man, to let him know that you can rock a German fat just like a rocket disco. Goes through my veins, queens derailing trains, see years burn the walls, and leaving no remains contains the fundamental elements of hip pop. Par and coast is mad bombing non stop off a cop. I'm not going to jail, that's the next episode. Imposters on the rise of the battle, toys fold, reload, grab your cans and hit the streets. This is how we do Puma the concrete, discreet in the alley. I click like TLC, I see a spot on the wall that needs to represent me. This goes out to all the nightlife types Dedicating to the art, keeping their part tight One love to all the heads in the crews Cooling at the shows on the avenue This goes out to all the nightlife types Dedicating to the art, keeping their part tight One love to all the heads in the crews Cooling at the shows on the Ave On the Ave You know who that sample is, right? Uh, that is, uh, I think that's Quest, Quest Love. Yeah. 
the uh, yeah. the influence. When you played me, when you played me that beat, I just remember starting to say that, and I can't remember where I got it from. I believe it was Spitz that said, "Yo, that's 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 coming off." Uh, uh, what's that? What was that record called again? Do you uh, want more? Yeah, do you want more? And Spitz, Spitz caught it right away. I just started saying it. Yeah, and then I remember asking Tyler if he thought he can cut it up, and he was like, "It might be a little too messy if I cut it up." And you said, "Well, I'll just punch it." Yeah, and that's what happened. Yeah, that's... that was Questlove. I think the only time he's ever rapped. Yeah, it could be. Um, and I know that uh, I believe that the Roots were pretty big influence on us, you, oh, me, because I think also you know we started saying our area code as a result of. Yes. The roots and absolutely <laughs> not to mention that sample i i remember driving around in my chevette the uh the stereo was broken so i put in a, a portable speaker do you remember that i totally remember i was gonna say the same thing i remember that and it wasn't like now where you go out and you get these speakers that are you know you could get these 200 dollars bluetooth speakers they've got a battery they last for 12 hours it was sketchy yeah <laughs> It was like, I don't remember what it was, but it was like, what the fuck is this? It's on your lap. You got six double D batteries or whatever. And it's cold and it's and it's wintertime. So it's the batteries winter. don't even work too good. Listening yeah. to whatever on the speaker in your car. We, we would drive to Brandon in that thing. Yeah. Well, we, we yeah. At one point, it was like the whole posse drove Chevettes because you had a Chevette and Tyler had a Chevette. I didn't have a car. Um, so really, it's like if Tab's crew rolled up in the place, it was a red Chevette and a, I think yours was a dark blue Chevette. That was the crew. And nobody had a radio. Nobody had a stereo. It was just so... That's the thing. But, but you being the nucleus, we had to take very care of, very, very much care of Rod. So Tyler and I would communicate to see who will carry Rod to wherever <laughs> we're going. I can pick him up in my Chevette. No, don't worry. I already, I'm on my way. I got him. I got him. Because it can't happen without him. You know, so I, yeah, I remember those Chevette. And yeah, I don't know where I got that old speaker from, but... It had good bass, at least. Yeah. And we had to, those days, whenever a hip hop record came out on that Tuesday, man. Oh, we I mean, you, all, you put me on to so much stuff that on the Tuesday was like, Rod, this is Mob Deep, the infamous. Like, check this out. I remember that. I would, I don't really, I knew who Mob Deep was, but the Tuesday came out, you're like, check this out and same yeah. with like rod notorious big ready to die check this out you know dub this right now all that you put me on the stuff the day it came out where it was like you need to hear this yeah. <laughs> come I to just my place us driving around listening to yeah. it all yeah i remember i just i remember Between you I remember. and tyler was just like here is tyler would do different stuff but you would be more like this is the rap you need to hear now you're my producer you need to hear this shit right now <laughs> And, and, you know, uh, Avenue, the track you just played, yeah, that was right in the heart of that. All, you know, uh, you just nailed it with that one. I think, again, once again, that might have been Spitz's influence to uh, include the block, because that was the block we hung on, the Avenue, man. Corden yeah. Avenue, Skate, Skate Shop. Uh, there was that coffee shop. I can't remember what that place was called. 
coffee there's, house. There's Bar Italia, and then there's a, of course there's Bar Italia. There's a, yeah. there's a coffee house beside the Seven Eleven that changed names about every year. Yeah, that was the spot, man. That was the spot. I, I mean, just, we would work on music till two in the morning. Walk over to. 7-Eleven, I'd either get a Slurpee or a Snapple at one in the morning, drink it, go back to to our to the drop-in center, which was like the basement at on Fleet. Yeah. And I'd keep working on music till like four in the morning. That was, you know, in the summer. Just that was what we were doing. That was it. 808 Fleet. Yeah. 808 Fleet. Um, but you know, Fluid was kind of the last record where we start where we're really working together like this. We did start to diverge, like you know, on Maxima was like I was a member of the group. Fluid, I'm not a member of the group. I'm your producer. And then you know, you guys are definitely um, still as motivated as ever to keep moving forward. I want to get into you know not our breakup, but it, but kind of. I mean, we we never had a real breakup, but at the same time, there was an evolution. So let's talk about that. I mean, what happens next is you guys are, you know, making your next record and I'm only, you know, I'm only like 30% involved. Like I think I produced a few tracks. It didn't come yep. out on Peanuts and Corn. There was a total like we're going to the next level. Let's talk like, what do you remember? Yeah. Well, you know, there was, there was a lot of energy. It was a lot of energy. It was good energy. Um, Momentum's a good word. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it, it was buzzing. There, there was something that really um, sparked me that Vancouver was having a, a pretty healthy scene nationally. Uh, Halifax was having healthy scene nationally. Uh, Montreal was having one with all what they were doing over there, the Buddy Babies and, and some of these other groups. Toronto, of course. Um, and I just wanted so bad to have Winnipeg on that map. And I just remember uh, feeling just ready to go for it and and it was that uh you know that fearlessness that i was talking about earlier and 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 you know that uh not being afraid to fail let's just dive in it but i just remember the time just had to be now yeah the time had to be now and, and you know what i'm getting at it was like you had so much coming at you and we weren't the big four anymore it wasn't Farm Fresh, Mood Rough, Shades of Black, and Freak Show. It was now the big four and everybody else coming around. It was yeah. like the scene was growing so quickly. Um, and and the, the, the business sense was starting to uh, kick in for all of us too. Um, what started off as a sort of a fun hobby was starting to get real serious. And again, I just remember being really, really motivated by people thinking that this is just uh, a silly thing we're playing. Even though people were spending five bucks to come watch us play, at yeah. the end of it, they'll go, well, that was cute. Well, you know, it, <laughs> it, it annoyed me so much. So I just wanted Winnipeg to be on the map on a serious level. And uh, it, from what I remember, man, the, the, the you know, you just couldn't handle all that was coming at you at the time. I don't know what you had lined up. Uh, I just remember thinking, um, okay, well, we're going to have to, we're going to have to roll simultaneously 
Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, because I, I can't I can't wait for whoever it is or whatever it is you're looking to put out. I just couldn't wait for it. Yeah, I think it was uh, a few things. I think there was like what happened in my life was that I had taken a year off to a year off of school to um, focus on music. And I really thought that this was, I think, in 95. And so a lot was happening. Like we went and played the Green Sprouts Music Week as Farm Fresh in Toronto, like playing with Rio Statics and doing all this stuff. But at the end of the day, I ended up working at Sam the Record Man and not much was happening. And so I kind of said, well, then I should probably just, you know, like I kind of thought I gave it a push, even though, you know, in reality I didn't. But, you know, you you think what you're doing is everything you can do. And then you look back and you're like, I could have done so much more. But anyway, so then it was like, okay, I got to I got to finish school. And so I think I went into more like let's slow down mode. And you guys were rightly like if you look at the timing, uh, let's go mode. And and that's sort of it. So it was like I was in school and I, I was like, didn't want to, you know, work a job. I wanted to just get my degree and not. So I didn't really have the money to, to, to like expand the label. And I know you wanted to do a CD and you were you were right about everything as far as we need a video. We need a CD. And I'm like, ah. and so you just said, OK, we'll do it. We'll do it ourselves. And you did it to your credit. And, you know, like if I was to go back and think about. You know, I don't think I did anything wrong over my career because it's all just like I just did what I could with what I could. But right. the golden age of missed opportunity is certainly like, you know, you made a video in 96 that was mm-hmm. of any decent quality. It was going to get played like crazy on much music and you're going to get known coast to coast, you know, and we never did that. Freak Show did it. You did it. Even yeah. Shades did it, even though it was maybe on the cusp of a little late for Shades. But the golden age was like you know you and freak show got that done and and farm fresh never did for various reasons partly money partly you know we didn't have a you know we just didn't obviously you look back and it's like we we could have found three thousand dollars one way or another to make a video right and we just didn't so the credits to you so we get into this next wave where now you're now you're doing your cd called nightlife types and um, I'm still making beats for you, but I'm much more detached. Like I basically literally put a beat on a dat, give it to you. And then you go to yeah. the studio and do it yourself. So, and you start, I believe you start a label. Is that correct? Like this is. Yes, that that's right. <clears throat> yeah. Started slow coach recordings. Um, the funny thing, I called it slow coach for two reasons. One is, uh, you know, I really did feel that um spitz and i were late bloomers not just musically but um as men you know we we were a couple of guys that really were consistently finding new things in life learning things scrapping the old thing and going to the new thing because you know there's a whole lot of soul searching with the two of us and we did it together that's what made it so um fun that at least we both knew that's that what we were doing this 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 so-called soul searching was, was done together and i knew that um i knew that i wasn't anywhere near the not just artist but uh man i was trying to be i I knew i wasn't wasn't anywhere close so um 
the, the name Slow Coach who kind of re referred to that. Um, and I got the name because I was helping my aunt move and she was um, a single lady at the time living in Winnipeg. She, she not too long ago had moved to Winnipeg from Guyana. And my brother and I were basically her muscle for everything. Yeah. So she was moving into a new apartment. She's like, you boys need to come over here and help me move, you know, all this stuff. So I remember we threw what we could in my Chevette <laughs> and we had to wait for the moving truck to come. And we don't know where this moving truck got to. How come we're, we're standing outside of her apartment for for like 40 minutes and the, the truck hadn't come. So we're just standing there waiting for this moving truck and finally it trudges around the corner. We could see it like three blocks up. And she, my aunt looks up and goes, Oh, looky there, slow coach. <laughs> and I'm like, what'd you say? The big old slow coach, you're taking his time. I'm like, slow coach, I like the sounds of that. I like the sounds of that. So I call it slow coach recordings because we're gonna take our time. We don't know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> so so that, was, that was the name of the, the label. And, you know, Spitz was all for it. Uh, my brother was just starting to get into the mix as well. And I, I remember thinking, all right, yo, I'm going to produce a couple things. There's some breaks that I really liked. I got to have Roddy involved because it ain't right if he isn't. And uh, we had met the Hummers guys around that time. So they laid down some live stuff, which would be the groundwork for what would be Grand Analog in the future. Yeah. And, and there you have it. We put together nightlife types. And not too many people know this. That record was distributed by the Brand Van 3000 band. Okay. Yeah. They, they approached me on one of those trips to Toronto that I took when I was trying to find, you know, uh, some, some homes for, for these things. Uh, Brand Band 3000 approached me and they had a, a deal going with EMI, I believe, or maybe Sony, I don't remember. And they wanted us uh, on their label, but I had just started Slow Coach, but they're like, well, let's work together. And so they just wanted, they just wanted to work with us so badly. So to make that long story short, they ended up ripping us off. <laughs> To a point where I had to fly to Montreal to get my money. I hadn't been so gangster in my life, Ron. That, that happened. I flew to Montreal, busted into their uh, office. They had a little office because what was their song called again? The brand, the brand I don't know. Uh, not Steal My Sunshine. That was the other guy. No, group. that's Len. Yeah, that was like, uh, oh, whoever's listening is going to be like, you idiot, it's blah, blah, blah. Uh, Brand Van 3000 song. What was that called again? Uh, I'll look it up. Hold on. Drinking in L.A. Oh, yes. Drinking in L.A. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, members from that group took their money and started the label and, and, and they sort of uh, signed us. I didn't do a straight deal with them. Um, I did a distro deal with them. And... Uh, yeah, they never paid us because we were just these dudes, young guys living in Winnipeg. They just never thought, they never thought to to even, to, to even, it, it was just awful. It was an awful scene and it was an awful first time being in this, uh, uh, 
this this whole big game of but you did have this i mean you know you did have distribution you had yes distribution we sold a lot of cds like you had because i remember i don't remember brand brand van 3000 being part of it i remember it being a montreal label or whatever was it something to do with zubone was that related that's somehow? them that's them okay I, th- I think that was what what it was called i i dude i blocked that shit out Zubone, yeah zubone had like i over the summer or over the quarantine like the spring summer i ripped my entire vinyl collection so i ripped my copy of uh maintain 12 inch and or no yeah. you know your first 12 inch all that stuff but also i think those guys or somebody from zubone who i met maybe at a pig city hall or one of your shows had given me all the Zubone 12 inches and there's like Grandmaster Garner and all these other guys. And okay. it's like Zubone was this weird label that did all these 12 inches out of, and I thought that that had something to do with your distribution, at least for what, the first that two point. records, was it? Uh, no, just that one. Cause oh, trust just that me, one. That, that was the end of that real quick, real quick. Yeah, I had to learn the hard way on some of that, man. These, these two, these two, boys from winnipeg we we learned a lot of hard lessons i'm sure and back to what i was saying earlier we had no mentors we had no leaders we had no one to show us anything we, yeah. we were and you know no hooks just just went like wildfire and we were not prepared for it you know i'm the first to admit that yeah so let's listen to no hooks and then uh, i want to talk about the video and kind of where we go from there but uh this is no hooks which uh came out in 97 i believe and i remember doing this i'm in this video we got to look it up on much music it's a classic groundbreaking video for winnipeg hip-hop mood rough yeah 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 Ground status, I can do this my way. Let my rhyme pay. Okay, no great. Today's a new day. A new day. I come to do my thing, make it happen, man. You never catch me slacking like them boys that be snacking when they bite. Insight that's made to excite. If you're sitting in my brain, then I wouldn't have to explain. My occupation is strictly communication. I dedicate to the world that I'll be facing. That is the key to unlock new melodies and felonies. You're forfeit. Style morbid, rapping about sick hexes. Keep your remixes, kid. Wanna get with this? Sip my liquid as if you were an addict, a rhyming fanatic. I treat my hip hop just like it's mathematics. I study what you come with. We getting live with this underground function. We getting live with it. Who's the one you trust in? I bring the rock with spontaneous combustion. Spit so much, my microphone be rusting induction. Tell the Hall of Fame, the designated hit game to sharpen up his game. Old styles is playing with the grain. I'm a mentally expand, explore new terrain. What's your name? Oh, Dario, the daydream fame. Oh, what's your function? I dedicate my life to this dream. What's that mean? I'ma leave my mark on the scene. Cutting off dead ends just like a hag and green. Well, it seems my team be out for more than a cream. I get two for one rap with every coupon redeemed. Haven't hit that mainstream, but when it happened, guaranteed satisfaction. Making moves or cool relaxing. Interaction, let them crowd participation. Sketch me, cutting up the waxing. Vocally dispatching a word from the wise. And I advise you not to compromise your intention. Hanging in suspense, make you wonder what's next. Hypnotized by my flow, lost up in the vortex. Respects. Do 
salute to all the nightlife types Dedicated to the art, keeping their part tight Despite a system trying to hold us down But I'ma keep banging, can't stop the sound So I can now I can now listen to the song and appreciate it, but I fronted on it forever because I was Mr. Little Jealous, didn't use my beat for your first video. But I never made a beat like that for you guys. Like you did the right thing. I look back and you did the right thing. Yeah. But I, I it took it took like ten years to be, a, be objective about it. I gotta be honest. These are two grown men talking right here. That's right, that's right. <laughs> and we didn't even crack the beers yet. We didn't even crack a beer yeah. yet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the your your will made that video happen. Like, talk about making that video and <laughs> what a labor of love it was for to make that happen. I mean, <sighs> Eli talked about it, but I, I'd love your perspective on it, even just real briefly. Man, just listening to that right now, there's a lot of things going through my head. I'm, I'm going to try to organize them and say them all. Uh, oh, my God. Are we playing anything else from that record? No. Okay, so let me just... Okay. So, the first of all, the reason why I call that album Nightlife Types is because we got free studio time in the middle of the night. Okay. So whatever that studio was, I, I, I don't it was remember. Mid Ocean, wasn't it? Mid Ocean, was it? I think I that sounds about so, right. Because I, I did one session with you guys when I when I was actually yes. on your record. Yeah, that sounds about right. So whoever was running Mid Ocean at the time, I begged him for a deal. I'm like, listen, man, uh, you know Manitoba Film and Sound Factor, they they're not taking me seriously, and I don't have any money. You got to help me out here. 
and he said all right yo what i'll do is i'm gonna hand you guys the keys when i leave for the night and you give it back to me in the morning when i show up and wow. that's how we recorded the whole album and i i know mike germain i believe was the engineer that's what was my what was gonna be my question is who did you pull into engineer then and he was all about it oh that's he good. was all about it so we we oh, would meet guy. like what maybe maybe 11 maybe midnight and we would work on this stuff until the sun came up and you know hand over the keys to to that dude i wish i could remember his name right now because I owe him a thank you for that. So, you know, all this stuff happened, it came through. Um, and I remember visiting Sharissa in Toronto. Um, Sharissa, my model girlfriend that I was having this long, long distance relationship with. Yeah. Uh, we went out for a drink, uh, Spitz was with me. Moodruff may have had a show, maybe not. We could have just been hanging out. And we went to the Elma Combo. Yes, of course. I'm sorry, it's all coming back to me. We had a show at the Elma Combo. And it was just, I believe it was myself, Spitz, and Rich Peely, whatever his DJ name was at the time. And there was, I'd say, 11 people there. <laughs> And I remember saying to the guys, we're gonna do the best show these 11 people have ever seen. Are you guys ready? Let's do this. Let's do this. We're at the legendary Elma Combo. You know, Rolling yeah. Stones played here. We got this. And one of the guys that was in the crowd, his name was Anthony Ellis. And he was having a drink. And I remember he was this long dreads, he had long dreadlocks. Uh, you, know, you know, Caribbean guy, can't remember where Anthony's from. And he keep turning around from his beer at the, at the bar and looking at us and, you know, nodding and enjoying the show and continue his beer. So we finished our set. I don't think anyone even applauded on our last song, but we just, <laughs> you know, so then I went to the bar and Anthony looked at me. He's like, you guys are really cool. Where are you, you know, uh, uh, you know, something along the lines of I didn't know Toronto hip hop, uh, you know, got so funky or something like that. I'm like, bro, we're from Winnipeg. No shit, you know, so we just start talking. Small world, Anthony Ellis's brother has had a huge crush on Sharissa and has been trying to pick her up for the last like year. And she keeps telling him, I've got a boyfriend. I have a boyfriend. Would you get over it? I don't, I can't remember how they met, but whatever. So I find out that uh, Anthony and his brother and knows Sharissa, and then here, here we all are hanging out. And Anthony tells me that he is an assistant director on sets, and he usually kind of works as a, a, a grip on other sets, a production guy on other sets. He's just a guy trying to find his way. And he always wanted to be a director, do his own thing. Yeah. I'm like, bro, direct our video. <laughs> I'm not going to pay you anything, but yeah. I'll fly you to Winnipeg. He's like, deal. I'm like, okay, so what do you shoot on? He's like 35 millimeter. I'm like, 35 mil? I can't afford that. He goes, don't worry about it. I got it taken care of. 
I'm like, all right, if you say so. He goes, uh, let's find a day and I'll, you know, you got a place for me to stay? I'm like, yeah, you'll stay at our apartment. You'll stay at the Mood Rough House. He's like, all right, cool. I think Eli might have told you this story. He was on set of Half Baked. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And he stole, I, I can say it out loud now. If someone wants to come after me, they can. He stole film from the Half Baked. Yeah. <laughs> from the half big set and shot no hooks with it so he packs like I don't know what you call the uh, cases uh, uh, rolls uh, yeah oh yeah yeah the reels yeah reels he packs yeah. about I think about about maybe six reels so not, we, not we were quite limited yeah you know, I think one reel is five minutes. Or one reel is like, depending on your frame rate, but yeah, about five minutes. And, and, you know, when you watch this video, there's so many different things going on that <laughs> it's it's not like you, you know, if you have one of those one setup type videos, then six reels probably is a lot. But for exactly. what you guys are doing and what you cram into this video, it's amazing. So, so, so when Anthony told me, hey, listen, I only have, I can't remember if it was six or if it was eight, but whatever it is, we have limited time. Yeah. And he goes, then I, I can't shoot anything else. Yeah. I'm like, gotcha. So I organized, I just remember telling you that Rod, you need to be at, you need to be at yeah. spotlight at this time. You, you gotta be here, bring the low rider bike. Cause I'm about to show Canada that Winnipeg isn't just about igloos and those jokes. Whenever we go on tour, there's the jokes. The jokes. You guys live in the igloos. Yo, what do you guys do? Yo, this and the that and that and the this. I'm like, yo, you need to know Winnipeg's got a very cool hip hop scene, and I'm about to show you. Yeah. I'm about to show you. So I remember lining it up with Core Fest, lining it up with, oh man, had everyone pop through shades, pop through. Oh yeah. Uh, course for, it was I like it was it was call times and everything it was like you're here you you probably had 30 or 40 people that had to be at different places at different times to do their thing including the stuff at core fest which was like a live concert that was happening where you played and yeah i played like as i don't know if we what we played as because pip wasn't around so it was me and tyler we played a set you guys played a set and this guy anthony who we met you know, I met him when you were getting this filmed. So he just shot it, and he was by himself. Is that he was right? By himself. He's one man banding a 35 mil camera. Yeah, he. It's remarkable. He had, yeah, he had that the same will I did. He's like, I am going to direct something, and I don't care if you know, I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is, and we just really hit it off. He stayed at our place for the weekend. Uh, he told me when uh, it was a good time to to shoot. You know, I didn't know anything about cinematography yeah. in those days. Lights and all that lighting. Yeah. Did he go on to become anything like besides obviously working in the film industry? Did he go on to, to become a director? Do you know? No. <laughs> you don't know, or he, he or he didn't. He didn't. Right. I think No Hooks might be the only video he's ever. That's awesome. Shot in his life. It, and that's fine. It, both, both. To me, I'm like both outcomes would be awesome. He went on to become a director of right. Little X Fan. That's awesome. No, that was it. Oh, that's also awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. He, he. 
he hadn't shot a single thing after that. <laughs> and, and on top of that, the video that he shot was heavy rotation on much music. I know. And people in Toronto didn't believe it because there was no credits. There was no uh, uh, YouTube that you can at least put credits. There's no credits that, they, that existed anywhere. No. So people just, they didn't believe him. Really? Like, yo, yo, that, that you see them, those dudes running around that Winnipeg video. I shot that. His friends were like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> sure you did, bro. Sure you did. <laughs> that video was edited in a, a Shaw truck, also in the middle of the night. Really? Yeah, because my homeboy Edgar Peters, he worked for oh, Shaw Google. Yeah. yeah, we we went to high Edgar. school together. Yeah. And I knew he knew a little something about videos and and and, and editing and stuff. So him and I and uh, Spitz Spitz was mainly working uh, Perkins overnight. So I was. Uh, sitting with Edgar and we'd sit in the shot truck. He's supposed to be keeping an eye on the syndication, but over on the other side of the truck, I was cutting the no hooks video. Oh, really? That's hilarious. Yeah. So Anthony didn't cut cut the video. No, he, I did. He, he I sent did. you the, so you got it transferred and then you yes. guys worked on the edit. Wow. Yeah. In fact, I think he left the 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 reels with me and i took it to midcan or something like that oh okay yeah i i don't i don't think he took it back with him it stayed here it stayed in winnipeg hey everybody that's uh that's part one of our two-part episode with odario um we're gonna have uh part two in a couple of weeks where well, you yeah, thank you again for listening and have a good night <laughs>